This week's episode is brought to you by Bureau Veritas. At Bureau Veritas, each and every member of the team is by your side to help you navigate your decarbonization journey. This is Green Seas, the podcast by Tradewinds about the environment and the business of the ocean. I'm Eric Priante Martin, and today we're going to look at a new dawn for container shipping the beginning of methanol fueling. You have accepted to become godmother for this pioneering vessel. We're in Copenhagen, virtually, of course. The president of the European Commission, Ursula van der Leyen, is at the lectern in the shadow of a container ship painted in the shade of blue that's characteristic of the giant Danish shipping company, A.P. Muller Maersk. I name you Laura Maersk. This is audio from a YouTube video by Maersk. May your journeys be smooth and your tasks successful. May you bring happiness to the crew and be a safe haven for all who board you. And may you bring prosperity and pride to all. I wish you Godspeed. The president steps over to a big red button. It looks like, and you might have to watch TV in the U.S. to get this reference the Staples Easy button. She presses it, and a champagne bottle swings into the ship's side. The Laura Maersk represents the start of something big in container shipping. It's the first vessel in this sector that was built to run on methanol an alternative fuel that has become a leading contender to help shipping reduce its greenhouse gas footprint. Despite the use of what looks like an easy button, getting here wasn't easy. In addition to developing a new type of vessel, Maersk has been working hard to procure all the fuel it needs to run the ships. And it doesn't just want any old methanol. That's because conventional methanol has lower carbon content than regular shipping fuels, but it's made from fossil fuels. So if you want to aim for zero greenhouse gas emissions you need what's called green methanol, produced from renewable sources like green hydrogen, maybe with some captured CO2 in there to cancel out the carbon in its molecule. This is Vincent Clerk, who's chief executive of Maersk. In 2018, when AP Muller Maersk announced its industry first commitment, we frankly did not have a path to get to zero. Our ambition back then was to get our first methanol ship in the water by 2030. Well, it wasn't easy, but we found a path. And today we know how to achieve climate neutrality, and we are, and what we are most pleased about is the followership that this ship has seen from the entire industry. In the next few years, this pioneering ship behind us will be joined by more than 100 methanol container vessels ordered by various companies all dedicated to climate neutrality trajectory. The strong and rapid involvement from the industry is essential to accelerate the innovation and adoption of new technologies. Maersk has ordered 24 more methanol-fueled container ships, all much larger than the Laura Maersk, and many of its peers have now followed suit. 
Singapore-based Express Feeders Group, for example, has booked two vessels in China that will run on methanol, and two that are being built methanol-ready, meaning they're set up to add equipment to use the fuel in the future. Richard Wetsky, who heads TCT Shipbrokers in Singapore, helped put together the deal. He told me that it's gotten to the point where it's not an easy sell today to go to a financier or a shipping company's board of directors and propose building a container ship using conventional shipping fuels. With growing regulation on carbon from the European Union and the International Maritime Organization, or IMO, you have to look into the future. Look, it's, it's super interesting at the moment because everyone, as you well know, is, is trying to decide what the best uh, way forward is in terms of what propulsion to use in future. Are we looking at LNG, methanol, ammonia? Are they stopgaps or are they for the future? Um, you know, looking down the 25 to 30 year lifespan average of a, of a ship. Um, this is where it gets interesting, right? Because you're making decisions um, for the next 25 odd years uh, now. Um, whilst, let's be honest, we don't really have the technology or the know-how even in place to really know what we're doing. It's still a learning curve. Ship design houses and yards are becoming good at putting together plans for methanol-fueled ships, and he said the vessels are not even that much more expensive when building from scratch. But among challenges is getting an engine to run on methanol because they're in such high demand right now. And then there's concerns over supply of the fuel, particularly of the green variety. And I know that a lot of groups who are considering moving into this field, this is the main deterrent. Now, what we have seen on the container side, interestingly, is that obviously we have the likes of Maersk who have made huge steps into this field in terms of also not just in terms of concentrating on trying to build methanol fuel tonnage, but also actually on the supply side. With more than 100 methanol fuel container ships on order, will there be more? In many ways, container shipping was in a good position to invest in the future. The supply chain crisis that emerged during the COVID-19 pandemic was very profitable for the sector. And the container carriers had piles of money to spend on new ships. But those same container lines seem to have grabbed all the available shipyard space. And that hot market's not so hot anymore. And there are a number of owners, smaller owners, which again is, is a model that's sort of unfortunately dying a slow death, but you know, non-operating owners who have a fleet potentially of, you know, say your 15 to 20 year old um, feeder sizes, of course they are looking to do something. However, right now they've kind of been blocked by the fact that everyone ran to the yards over the last two years to order more ships because we saw this incredible boom um, and much like the situation we had after the financial crisis, I'm not, I'm not at all saying it'll be as bad as this, but much like we had after the financial crisis, you then are entering um, a, a really uh, very difficult supply-demand imbalance. Um, so right now, the, the biggest issue for um, anyone planning on ordering is uh, is the price, which is high, and in in our mind is not necessarily going to fall anytime soon. But uh, secondly, there's there's just no yard space. But as all of these ships ordered by Maersk and its competitors start to hit the water, will they find green methanol in sufficient quantities? Or will they be stuck with fossil fuel-based methanol? Or even continue using conventional bunkers since all these ships are dual fuel vessels anyway? As I mentioned, Maersk has been working hard to lock in supplies, and it's even formed its own production company to cut out the middleman. To find out how much green methanol is out there, I reached out to a leading producer of the fuel. Ahmed Al-Hoshi is the chief executive of OCI Global, a producer of methanol, ammonia, and other hydrogen-based fuels. His company provided fuel for the Laura Maersk at several ports as the ship made its way from South Korea, where it was built, to its naming ceremony in Copenhagen. 
We've seen other container companies kind of follow in the same footsteps like CMAC, GM, Express Feeders, who were also supplying with their ships that are arriving in the next year. And then other types of shippers altogether, even cruise lines like Disney, car carriers like China Merchant, uh, energy shipping. So, you know, many different walks of life in terms of shipping, ordering dual fuel vessels um, and asking for methanol. So our count now is about, uh, is over 225 ships um, that could demand about a little over 6 million tons by 2028. Uh, that's a sizable increase from the current market for marine fuel uh, shipping by methanol, which is around 300,000 tons. So we see a lot of potential demand there. And it makes sense because, as you know, to quote Maersk, uh, Maersk's main buyer on this, uh, methanol one works and number two, it works now. OCI has announced plans to double the capacity at its Texas plant to 400,000 tons per year. The company will be making that fuel from renewable natural gas made from landfill waste. And it's aiming to make e-methanol. That's when you take captured carbon and combine it with green hydrogen produced using renewable electricity. And the company's looking at gasification of municipal solid waste and other biomass to make biomethanol. El Hoshi said orders for methanol-fueled ships, driven by regulations from Brussels like the Emissions Trading System and FuelU Maritime, are giving demand signals to spur investment in green methanol. On the demand side, you have the trigger that the infrastructure is being put in place in, in the ports. You know, we just got our first bunkering license now in Egypt to be able to supply green methanol. We think more of that's going to ha happen as an industry. And so, you know, the stars are aligning to say, okay, well, that now you have ships capable of consuming it. So people will, um, you know, look to try to FID or get reach financial investment decision on projects to add that supply. OCI is helped by the fact that it's already a global leader on methanol production. So it has existing infrastructure that will also be useful for delivering the green version of the fuel. But El Hoshi said that what would turbocharge green methanol production is global regulation. That includes a fuel standard, which would limit carbon intensity of shipping fuels. And then there's putting a global price on carbon emissions, another element of what is being debated at the IMO to meet its new greenhouse gas reduction targets. So it all comes down to pricing that negative externality, which, are, which is carbon or GHG emissions. So I think it's important that we basically have some teeth around kind of uh, how you get to the targets, because right now you have targets, but we don't know how to get there. A carbon price would be very heavily needed because it needs to penalize fossil fuels for that negative externality of GHG emissions, whether it's fuel oil or VLSFO or, or diesel, and potentially support low carbon fuels. I mean, doing something like e-methanol or e-ammonia, right? Those are costly endeavors. And quite frankly, you know, to put it simply for a shipper, when they're making a decision, they go for dual fuel, but when making a decision, okay, do I sign up to a 10 or 15 year offtake around this? They want to make sure that they stay competitive relative to fossil fuels. What he said he has confidence that those regulations will happen over the next few years. Here's more on the environment and the business of the ocean. Shipping company Crowley and nuclear power firm BWX Technologies are working on a vessel concept that would produce zero carbon electricity for military bases or remote islands facing disasters, among other potential uses. The vessel would use a microreactor like the one that BWXT is developing for the US Defense Department. And Classification Society Bureau Veritas has invested in software company Orbit MI as part of a strategic partnership that is aimed at helping optimize shipping. Company executives said that among the key goals are helping the industry decarbonize and meeting upcoming regulations on shipping. Read all these stories and more at tradewindsnews.com. Music for this episode is by Paolo Argento on Pixabay.